What is crack-lacking fellow thermonuclear AFers? I am Dan Valley coming at you without my certified fantabulous co-host Grant Hughes, but it's okay. We power on. This was more of an impromptu, just live streaming this version of the podcast in case it gets outdated. I feel like for the three or four or five people that might actually watch it, then you'll be able to to talk about this before any trades go down that ruin all these predictions, some of which have already been ruined, but I wanted to go through them anyway. Very quickly, if this is your first time checking us out as we wait for people to get in here, remember to throw us that permanent subscription. Hit subscribe on YouTube if you're watching. Like, comment, help the algorithm love us back. Follow us on all the socials. The handles are on the screen or they're in the podcast description. We are at Hardwood Knox on TikTok and Twitter and YouTube, of course, and then at Hardwood underscore Knox on Instagram. TikTok channel has been growing, so go ahead and follow that. Um, Post a lot of clips over there. So, yeah, do us a favor. And finally, if you've done all that, word of mouth, recommendations, shout us out on Twitter. Tell your friends, family members, enemies, randos, acquaintances on the street, coworkers, anyone who you know would appreciate some sub-mediocre basketball takes um, to come check out this podcast. And, of course, subscribe on all your podcast players, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, the whole nine. Um, with all of those housekeeping notes out of the way, I'm going to give my prediction for every NBA team. Uh, one prediction that I'm aiming to get right leading into the – to the trade deadline. But if we have questions um, throughout the chat, um, I'll definitely throw them up here and um, we can, uh, you know, we can have a little impromptu AMA as well. We'll to see how long this goes. We'll try and be fairly like quick as we go through this. Like I said, I don't want any breaking news to outdate this too quickly, but that's why I'm just going live. At least it'll be on YouTube and then I'm going to try and publish it as a podcast right away. Without further ado though, um, let's really get into this. And so we begin one prediction for every NBA team at the 2023 NBA trade deadline um, for the Atlanta Hawks. I'm going with, and I'm sticking to it. John Collins will get dealt to the Indiana Pacers, LA Clippers, Utah jazz, or not at all. Uh, how's that for specificity? And also not at the same time. Look, I think the issue with John Collins and the Hawks is yes, we, he has three years and 75 plus million on his deal. Yada, yada, yada. He might be more valuable to the Hawks than any other team. If the jazz are really serious that they need a first round pick, to take him on, then that's just, there's no point in moving John Collins. He has been marginalized at Atlanta, um, has not played great this year, but he's still a really good player. I think a team like the Clippers could probably talk themselves into giving up um, a first round pick or perhaps even Terrence Mann as part of that deal. The Pacers, they probably need a third team unless they're going to give up both of those Boston and uh, Cleveland first round picks. And even then, the Hawks need immediate help. Like you can't just flip John Collins for. Um, wiggle room under the luxury tax and future first. You're trying to do something now with Trey Young and DeJounte Murray. That's what makes things so complicated. The Jazz are ready built for a trade with Malik Beasley and Jared Vanderbilt could be thrown in there. Kelly Olenek as well. Um, those are just the three teams that I think will be most in on, on him and should be frankly most in on him. I'm most intrigued by the Indiana Pacers. Um, I think that he's just a perfect fit for, um, for Miles Turner. You can use him as a five uh, on on offense and then treat him like a four on defense. And I think that would be, if you can pull something off like that, yes, we know the Pacers are like kind of sort of not, like they're not rebuilding, but but what are they necessarily doing? I, I don't know. Um, the Tyrese Halliburton injury kind of threw them off a little bit, but that's just like an opportunistic buy, and they're not a team that tanks all that anyway, even if they were looking ahead to next season. He just fits, look, he just fits the, the timeline. So I'd like to see... Um, Collins and Indiana would be my favorite destination. But with that said, I think if Atlanta doesn't get the equivalent of first round equity or like useful players who help them now, 
This isn't a move him for the sake of moving him situation. Banner pace already, folks. The Boston Celtics, I think that they will trade Peyton Pritchard and or second round picks to acquire another big. It could be both. Nas Reed is sort of my dream target for this team um, as a fourth big. Just someone who basically plays like a six foot nine inch guard when you watch him on offense, then will provide you with a ton of malleability on the defensive end. I don't know if Minnesota would actually move him. That might be something we'll get to with, with the Timberwolves, but it just seems like Boston um, kind of wants to fill that fourth big spot. It really shouldn't be uh, Luke Cornett. It's definitely not going to be Blake Griffin when the games start to matter. I think you could probably make the case that do they need another wing or someone to replace like the minutes that Sam Hauser used to play? I don't know. I don't even think that they have a real need, but if you can pick up another big um, and they do have uh, a TPE that they could use as well, they wanted to look at a Jackson Hayes, although I don't necessarily like him for them. I just feel like they're going to wind up. It could happen on the buyout market, but I think that they'll end up just trading for a big, like giving up a second round pick for someone who inoculates them a little bit against maybe any RW3 injuries or Al Horford all of a sudden just, just looking old, or maybe Grant Williams runs into a matchup or two during the playoffs that don't necessarily suit him. The Brooklyn Nets. So this one is just, it's not off the rails yet. I have some combination of Joe Harris, Seth Curry, Patty Mills, Dayron Sharp, and Cam Thomas will get traded for a big. That is theoretically still possible because it seems like based off the return they got for Kyrie Irving and Dorian Finney-Smith and Spencer Dinwiddie, in addition to the 2029 first-round pick from Dallas in two seconds, they are kind of prioritizing immediate players, which would suggest that they want to win now. But we have the report from Woj that KG's engaged in conversations about the team surrounding their future. And his phrasing from that report was the Nets continue to tell teams and KD himself that they're not trading him by the, the deadline. Now, if you think KD is window shopping at this point or doesn't want to be there, you can't make a win now trade, uh, like giving up first round picks. And you will, will be less inclined, I guess, to go out there and get someone who's more than a, a stopgap big, because if he's then going to turn around and request to trade this offseason, you've burned first round equity or just gone even done anything like as a slight buyer that could mortgage part of your future asset base. That's just not going to look so hot. Still, it does feel like they could use a big that has some more heft to him and maybe hits his free throws at a higher clip than a Ben Simmons or Nick Claxton. Although Claxton was, was it the wizards game where he was on fire at the line? I can't even remember. I think it might've been the, the recent wizards victory. Um, and I love a, a good Nick Claxton, but I just, I think that's what they'll wind up doing is that they're going to maybe trade, one of these for a big, I don't think it's going to be on the level of even a Jakob Pertle, but like the one I bounced around is a Mo Bamba, which you do um, Joe Harris for the expiring contracts of Mo Bamba and Terrence Ross. I actually tend to think that Joe Harris could still be a really good player, but he's had sort of an up and down season. Seth Curry, when he's healthy, is ahead of him in the rotation. You do have all these sort of like wing swingman type players now with Dorian Finney-Smith and Spencer Dinwiddie and Royce O'Neal there so that might be something for them to consider i'll stand by this one but i think my real prediction is that the nets are going to wind up trading kevin Durant by thursday because that's just the vibes that i'm getting right now so dual predictions there the charlotte hornets uh three or more 2023 free agents will be dealt and by this we're talking about mason Plumley, we're talking about jalen mcdaniels we're talking about pj washington and we're talking about kelly Oubre jr if i did pick the three i think pj washington remains and then we'll just say the other three get dealt Reports say they want a first-round pick for Mason Plumley. Spoiler alert, they're not getting a first-round pick for Mason Plumley. I could see this one missing pretty easily if they just decide, well, is the market for Jalen McDaniels going to be that lucrative this year? Or is the team even going to give us anything for Kelly Oubre Jr.? 
uh, when he's dealt with injuries. I think the other thing to consider is they don't need to sell to be bad. They're already bad. But I think at least two of them are going to get traded. But I'm just going to say three. Let's step out on a limb here. I'm trying to be accurate, but let's not let's not be too safe. I think Mason Plumlee is probably the most likely guy to get traded, it feels like. And after him, I kind of feel like it might be Jalen McDaniels. And then P.J. Washington is clearly the least likely to be traded. Although if I were them, I probably would trade him. I don't know that I want a part of his next contract. If it's going to be like 12 to 16 million, okay. But if it's more than that, eh. Uh, my prediction for the Bulls is that they will delay the inevitable. And that means they will either do absolutely nothing or they will actively buy for some reason um, when they should be going the opposite route, which is what can you get for DeMar DeRozan, Zach Levine, Nikola Vucevic, Alex Caruso. Um, at least try and find the medium ground where if you're not going to tear it down, like could you at least do something where it's not let's perpetuate this just sub mediocrity bullshit that we see all the time from them. I just don't think they're going to be there. They're close enough to 500. They do have good players. Um, They can lean on the crush that, Oh, imagine if Lonzo ball was healthy. I guess that's fair, but I don't know that he would materially change this team uh, to the extent that, um, you know, they would have been like a contender or even like one of a, the top six teams in the, East necessarily. We know how good they were with him last year. Like when you look at those splits, just based off when he was in the lineup versus without him, it's it's completely night and day. Mission critical to the way that they were defending. I just don't see their pathway with this core. Even if you get Lonzo Ball back to being more than this team that's going to you know fend for playing or you know lower level playoff berths. And it's time to start over. They are not going to though because they they are the Bulls, and that's just not something that that they do. The Cavaliers. Uh, my prediction for them. They will not trade Karis LeVert or Isaac Okoro, but they will still bag a wing. Um, that might be like too spicy. The names that they've been linked to, it, it would cost one of those players. When you've seen them with Josh Hart, I've seen them linked to Gary Trent Jr. Um, a little bit. There was I saw them linked to OG Ananobi for a minute. That that just isn't going to happen. But they can use Jetty Osmond, Dylan Windler, functionally expiring contracts, um, and some second round picks. And does that get you like a, you know, any combination of that get you a Josh Richardson? Could you get in on the Jalen McDaniels sweepstakes? Although is he a good enough shooter? I think you should probably just prioritize offense there. I just think they're going to go lower level on the scale. They're already really good. And it looks like, you know, you have Karis LeVert. I've of course been shooting the three ball really well lately. And he is very important to how you're going to defend when Mitchell and Garland are on the court. It just feels like they're not ready to take that bigger swing insofar as they could even make it. Perhaps that's something they consider over the offseason. Maybe just a move that's that would entail moving one or both of these guys isn't available to them. That's just, you know, does I one I propose is like, does Levert and Okoro even get you in the discussion for Gary Trent Jr. and then another salary? It might not. I think there are Cleveland fans that just don't even want to see that deal. So I think they'll hold on to these two, but they will end up bagging just sort of a, you know, a wing. Maybe it's maybe it's Josh Richardson. Maybe they're the team that takes a flyer on Cam Reddish. Uh, I just don't think it'll be the huge splash, but that they will, they will get a wing. This one was already wrong. I want to hold myself accountable heel, uh, here. Any move the Dallas Mavericks make will not net a top six rotation player. They turned around and acquired the second best player on their team in, in Kyrie Irving. I think to adjust this prediction for what's going to happen with Kyrie, I feel like they're going to end up trading for like a defensive minded wing. Like maybe they get in on Reddish or they get in on Matisse Seibel. It also wouldn't shock me, and this could be as part of acquiring another big or even a wing, if Christian Wood gets moved. We don't really have a ton of intel on his extension. We know that the Mavs have at least talked to him about it. We just don't know how far apart they are on the numbers. But uh, like, I I wouldn't be surprised if he winds up getting moved, especially because they they have like their offense set with 
Kyrie and Luca. So I was already wrong on this one, which means I should be prepared to be wrong again. But when you lose Dorian Finney-Smith, and now you're going to play a lot of minutes with Kyrie and Luca, and Kyrie's been a little bit better defensively this season. And when he really tries, you can tell, and like he he'll be tough to screen. I don't think you can count on that. He's still eminently attackable in the playoffs as well. I would argue more than um, Spencer Dinwiddie. I know a lot of people think Spencer Dinwiddie slipped slipped off on defense. We had Killhaus in our Hardwood Knox Discord. Hey, join that saying that he thinks Dinwiddie's been so basically atrocious on defense that it's a lateral move to Kyrie. I would respectfully and strongly just disagree there. The size alone for Dinwiddie, I think, is more valuable to you in the playoffs in that situation. So I just think they're going to end up trying to you know go that route. They could be a team that even Josh Richardson all of a sudden really helps them um, right now. So it, it wouldn't shock me if they're not done making moves. I would argue that if you really want to make the most of this window with Luka and Irving in advance of Kyrie hitting free agency, you almost can't not be done like you need to do something else the nuggets this one is going to run counter to basically reports bones island will stay put i think mark stein classified him as one of the most likely players to be traded at the deadline i get it like there's a lot of noise there the nuggets you know this is like sort of their shot it seems like bones highland might just be flat out on un- unhappy there with his role so i get it in theory but these guys like him are so tough to move he makes so little has two years left on his rookie scale. Uh, he is a defensive liability at this point, been very erratic once he gets inside the arc at the same time, there's a clear upside there. He's a live wire off the dribble. He can hit threes um, from anywhere. Like it doesn't matter how far out that he is. And he can also sort of plug and play it to where he doesn't need to be on the ball. Again, the defense is a real concern, but if you're looking for another layer of shot making and shot creation, I think he would be worth the first round pick, but what teams are willing to give up that the nuggets do have that, traded player exception they could use to help sort of strike a lopsided deal. I know a lot of people proposed Alex Caruso into the TPE and then you trade Bones Highland to Chicago. I don't know why Chicago considers that. I'd probably want a little bit more from them, especially if I'm not pivoting into a rebuild myself. I just, I don't see it because I don't know where the value add is going to come from with Bones. And even if you're saying trade him for a better backup big, are you really going to trade to bring in somebody who plays not just your best player's best positions, but one of the five best players in the NBA's best position, the perhaps favorite to win a, a third MVP in a row in, in Nikola Jokic. I just, that doesn't add up to me. If you could get like a wing or some real forward help, or even just some more point of attack defense, if you're worried about Bruce Brown leaving this summer, which by the way, you should be, you don't have his bird rights and he's going to make more than um, what his player option is worth. I get it in theory, I just don't see them being able to figure it out before the deadline. And they don't have the other dispensable salary to sort of broaden these deals and take in more money. Again, the TPE helps and a lot of people just they'll believe I'm wrong. Um, the consensus seems to be that Bones Highland will be traded. I just have a feeling he won't be. I would be, I don't want to see fairly surprised, but I'm sticking to it. Now the Pistons have been conveying that they will not be trading Boyan Bogdanovich. Jake Fisher reiterated that for Yahoo Sports. Um, today, actually, I'm just going to say, no, he gets traded for a King's ransom though. Um, maybe this probably looks worse. If teams are planning around Kevin Durant becoming available this off season, a team like Phoenix, um, will be less likely to go in on him. But like, that's kind of it when you really think about it. like maybe Miami then won't be as in on Boyan Madonovich insofar as they ever were, but teams like the Lakers, if they want to part with their their picks, maybe even New Orleans, uh, if they're willing to make sort of an immediate move, there will, or though New Orleans could be in on the KD sweepstakes too, so they might be less inclined to to give up a ton for him. I think that someone will give the Pistons at least like a wow, can't really turn this away 
first round pick. It's not that, and I get where they're coming from and why you would predict he doesn't get moved just because they're going to have cap space. They might be under pressure to win when they add a high lottery pick to a core of healthy Cade, Jade Nivey, Jalen Duran, Killian Hayes, Isaiah Stewart. Like there will be, you keep Alec Burks and Bobby Bogdanovich and maybe hope to make a playoff run next year. I just, I feel like there are going to be buyers who are desperate enough to come over the top in the 11th hour because there are so few sellers that they want to sort of make this bigger splash. And so I think it winds up being like a first round pick and then something else that's really enticing. Like I don't, I won't be too, I'll be shocked if it's two first round picks, but maybe it's just sort of a, a young player. Uh, again, I could see the the specter of the KD sweepstakes this this upcoming summer that I'm sure teams will be planning around. Maybe that sort of makes this prediction less likely to come true. Uh, the Golden State Warriors, uh, Moses Moody is the kiddo most likely to be traded. I'll stand by that even with uh, the Steph Curry injury. We did see the report from the Athletic that the Warriors like kind of sort of open to moving young players who aren't in their rotation. That refers to Moses Moody or James Wiseman. James Wiseman makes the most sense from a salary matching perspective. I just think that the Warriors or specifically, uh, you know, the owner Joe Lacob is so attached to him that I don't know if they're ready to sell this low on him to what it would take. And so with Moody, maybe it's just sort of like, a, um, you know, you can, can you build something around him with pig equity to go out and get a PJ Washington uh, would be a nice fit for, for this team. But I just feel like, if you're going to move one of the youngsters, it'll wind up being Moody before it does Wiseman. And this is with the caveat that I don't really expect the Warriors to do anything midseason. And I'm wondering if the they've played well 500 basketball without Curry this year, but I'm just wondering if that latest injury, which I won't even try to describe or pronounce because I'll butcher the hell out of it, gives them cause for pause um, heading into the uh, heading into the trade deadline. The Houston Rockets, I'm just going to predict that Eric Gordon gets traded at long last because why would you keep him unless you think that he's going to be this sort of recruiting bridge to getting James Harden to come back in free agency? They've wanted a first-round pick for him for basically forever. I don't think they'll get it. Maybe they'll take on bad money and get it. Like if you're Houston or you want to take on Duncan Robinson's deal, if the Heat are giving you two firsts or Nicole, <clears throat> excuse me, Nicole Jovich in a first or – a bunch of seconds with a first and Nikola Jovic. I just think they'll wind up moving Gordon and that there'll be more teams. His salary is pretty large, but there might be more teams who are interested in him than normal just because, Oh, what if it proves that John Collins is sort of ungettable or if, uh, you know, if John Collins is ungettable or if boy, Madonavich, the asking price is too high. Eric Gordon, if you can get to that number feels eminently gettable. Uh, we do have a question in the, the chat uh, from I'm here to learn. Do you think LeBron will break the, the record tonight? Warriors when healthy or the best team in the league. So those are two, a statement and a question. Do I think LeBron will break the record tonight? I'm just going to say yes. I'm um, going up against OKC, who I don't think is going to have Lou Dort. I should have checked that before I went to this. So I'll just say yes. Um, and then Warriors when healthy are the best team in the league. I just, they definitely have a championship gear. I'm here to learn. I just don't know if I buy that um, they would be the best team in the league. I think that would belong to Boston Maybe I might even have Milwaukee at full strength. I don't know. Denver, definitely in that conversation at full strength. So uh, could have been Brooklyn before they had to blow it up. Shout out Kyrie Irving. Uh, but yes, so I think Eric Gordon gets traded for for Houston. Um, the, no, no, even I don't even have an inkling of a destination for that. I think Phoenix could circle back. Let's say, look, let's say Phoenix is just looking to stay in the Kevin Durant sweepstakes this summer because he doesn't get moved this year. But uh but they don't want to give up pick equity in a trade or stand still, 
they want to preserve that powder. Eric Gordon's like, I think you can get him without giving up a first round pick. Um, just basically salary in seconds. And so I could see that type of scenario too. Um, we'll get to some more questions in the chat as they come in, but let, let me at least get through the, the halfway point here. The Indiana Pacers, I have, <laughs> this is, I don't know why I laughed as I wrote this, but the Indiana Pacers will trade for Sadiq Bay, John Collins, Jalen McDaniels, um, Davon Reed, Cam Reddish, Obi Toppin, or PJ Washington. I just think they're going to acquire a wing or a four is basically what I'm saying. I already told everyone here that I would love for it to be John Collins. After that, I think PJ Washington would be a nice fit. Uh, they will have the cap space to go after him in restricted free agency, but with the Hornets having the right to match any offer, you'd rather just get in on him now. I don't know if they're willing to give up what it would take to get PJ from Charlotte. Would you give up those two late first from Cleveland and Boston for him? And maybe Charlotte sending you a second back possible, but they could also just look, they have cap space still about 10 million, 10.7 million, whatever it is. You could take a Cam Reddish there if New York is just looking to to dump him. Sadiq Bay is probably a little lofty just based off the asking price the Pistons have set. Jalen McDaniels might be a little bit more realistic. Even an Obi Toppin, uh, maybe you're willing to, are the Knicks willing to take another late first-round pick since they know that two of their first this year from Detroit and Washington won't technically convey? Um, I, I don't know if they would do that. They probably wouldn't would be my guess, but it could be a part of a three-team deal. Um, regardless, I think that the Pacers end up making – maybe not this huge buy, but I think they end up being in talent acquisition mode rather than looking at, Oh, maybe we should trade buddy healed and, and, you know, start shutting people down and really lean into higher draft lottery odds this year. The Clippers uh, who apparently made an aggressive offer for Kyrie, which I pretty much doubt that they, the offer that was out there, which included two swaps, Terrence Mann and a first. Um, I doubt that they made it, but my prediction is they will move Terrence Mann and, or a future first round pick, which will be in 2028 or 2029 in service of get of, of just a bigger swing that could be a big or maybe just a, a, a floor general type player. Um, I think that anything aggressive is on the table for them though. We know Steve Bomber doesn't really give a shit about spending money. Uh, he's one of the few owners where you can say, Oh, money's no object. And it might actually kind of sort of mean something. So, um, and I just feel like they are a team. Like when you look at how they've done maybe over the past month or so, like the efficiency has climbed up. Um, but we've seen the defense suffer a little bit during that time. They're still dealing with absences, um, and but the offense is at least, least perked up. Uh, they just feel unfinished. And I think that they've been able to, um, you know, fatten up the schedule on some, yeah, fatten up their win-loss total on some favorable scheduling um, over this stretch. But there's no doubt that they seem to sort of just be rising to the surface and look more when they're at full strength, kind of like they're, or more, I don't even want to say at full strength, but more regularly looking like a team that could win a title. I still think there's just a hole. When you're looking at a backup big, I think that you could even stand to, I know there's some disagreement over this. I don't want to say you need like a point guard, but it's just another floor general type player who can also play off Kawhi and uh, PG, but it's also going to really do a better job of helping you organize your offense than a Reggie Jackson, maybe even better than a Terrence Mann, who does give you a bunch of rim pressure. Um, John Wall, that ship had sailed even before his injury. So I think that they'll wind up making that move and that they're under so much pressure to win now. They will, it'll be a, a size one. Maybe it's Fred Van Vliet. Maybe it's a Mike Conley. I don't know if it costs you a first round pick or Terrence Mann to get Mike Conley. I would guess that it doesn't, but maybe you're getting someone else from the Jazz as part of that. Is it Conley and Vanderbilt? Is it, you know, whatever it might be. So that's my prediction for the Clippers, but they will do something because they, they always do something. So rest assured on that. The Lakers won. Here is the non-sexy prediction. 
They will not trade those picks. Um, they were apparently on the table for Kyrie Irving. I don't think they're going to be on the table unless a similar type of player becomes available. If Zach Levine all of a sudden requests out or Bradley Beals demands a trade to LA, sure. Maybe those picks are on the table. They'll definitely be on the table if Kevin Durant becomes available, but he's not going to go to the, like, the Lakers will be outbid for that, even if Durant says he doesn't want to go to said team that would have outbid them. I just don't, you know, you're looking at the names that are out there. Uh, the the Indiana Pacers trade, like that just doesn't exist anymore. There's been some renewed talks about would they send, you know, a first round pick, two first round picks to Utah for Malik Beasley and Mike Conley. My whole thing is if you were going to make that trade, you should have made it like before the season started. Why are you making it now? With it, were the Jazz just not going to do it straight up for the two first round picks at the time? Is that why? The one that I've kind of thought about is, and maybe you have to include the swaps in 26 and 28 too, but would you do Russ, those two first, let's say a swap or two swaps for Fred Van Vliet and Gary Trent Jr. And then let's say Chris Boucher or Thaddeus Young, whatever salary that um, would, as my dogs go off in the background, whatever, whatever salary, whatever salary um, that the, the Raptors want to, that the Raptors want to shoehorn in there. Um, apologies for anyone who can hear that in the background. Um, losing my train of thought here, but um, yeah, so with the Lakers, I just don't think that they're going to trade uh, trade their picks. Um, I don't think that there's a player who is going to be even like close to as available at the talent level they would want to acquire for that, and they might try to save it for over the summer to make splashier moves when they could have some wiggle room, but I would make the trade if it's on the table for Fred Van Fleet plus a plus a big yeah bark 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 from a uh, little train. Sorry about that, everybody's. We lost like half the viewers that were in this when they started barking. Um, so yeah, I don't think they're going to trade their picks, but we'll have to see. Uh, we'll have to see what what happens there. We already, I didn't think Kyrie Irving was going to necessarily become available by the trade deadline either. So and we know the Lakers will only give up those picks for for Kyrie. Um, we're going to reach the halfway point, so I'll get to some questions that are in the chat right after that. Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, my prediction is the Memphis Grizzlies will not make a big move, but if they do, it will be for Boyan Bogdanovich or Kyle Kuzma and not OG Ananobi. This was just sort of my way of I want to talk about how I don't think OG Ananobi is a good fit for Memphis. Uh, their half-court offense needs the most help, like just sort of another creator, another high-volume three-point shot taker and maker. Uh, that's not OG Ananobi. He'll help with the three-point volume and shot making a little bit, but they're not going to be self-created threes. He's not going to table set for everyone else or just sort of create these from-scratch looks. He was averaging, last I checked, more turnovers than assists per game. Fantastic player, fits everywhere. But if you're going to make your all-in play in your Memphis, I don't think it should be for him. I just wouldn't give up three first-round picks for him or a young player and and two picks. That's just not where I'm at. Now, if it's Boyan Bogdanovich or Kyle Kuzma, I don't need to give up as much would be my assumption. But I would go in for them who are, who are going to help you more um, from the self-creation perspective on offense, and then with Boyan Madonovic specifically from just like a shooting perspective, he's been lights out from basically every level this year on the court. Um, so yeah, I think Memphis should be talking itself into making a bigger swing, especially given how much they've struggled lately. But I think we just default to, we've seen them kind of just trust their internal evaluations and development over making big moves. Uh, two, uh, another question from two questions from I'm here to learn who's currently the MVP of the East and West. The West is Nikola Jokic for me because he would be my overall MVP pick. The East, it's probably a little more interesting. I think it's Joel Embiid. That's just, he's been dominant. He's really worked his way up the ladder, particularly since that Kevin Durant injury. Uh, the other question, what are your super early predictions of the finals? So I had at the beginning of the season, um, the Nuggets beating the Bucks in the finals. And I don't know that I've seen anything to date that would make me change 
that prediction. Definitely maybe a little bit more concerned about the Bucks, and we'll get to them in a in a second. Um, and I'm kind of tempted to go with like Boston or Philly to come out of the East, uh, but I'm just going to stick to that prediction. I, Milwaukee can be a machine when it's at full strength. And so Nuggets, Bucks, Finals, you heard it here first, and the Nuggets remain my title pick. That's a preseason title pick, by the way, for anyone who cares about such notes. On to the Miami Heat. I already got this one right. Dwayne Dedman will be offloaded to increase maneuverability beneath the luxury tax. The Heat already did that. They shipped him to the Spurs. They opened up um, another roster spot, have flexibility now between luxury tax. That'll help them in the buyout market, but it could also help them if they want to make a trade leading into Thursday. That's more lopsided and where they maybe need to take on a little bit of money. We've seen Kyle Lowry's name pop up a lot here. If I had to make a um, another prediction for them, it would probably be that they're not going to make a big move, that they're not going to trade a first-round pick, um, that they're not going to trade Kyle Lowry. My guess would be that they're going to be a team, especially now, that's more worried about, about maybe making a pursuit at, at Kevin Durant in the summer should he request out. And also, like, their bigger swings, like, yes, you could pair your first-round picks with other salary right now, including Kyle Lowry, to do something semi-big. But looking at the trade landscape, who's that for? If you're the If you're the Heat, who, um, who would like, who, who are you giving up multiple first round picks for? And some of the salary you're sending out is bad. There are teams that might want compensation for the final year of Lowry's deal. Most every team's going to want compensation for the final three years of Duncan Robinson's deal. So, um, it just doesn't feel like the right time. And when you wait till the summer, Tyler hero's new contract will take effect and you can then trade him as a more expensive number. I don't know if you want to, he's been so good, but I'm saying if you're going after Kevin Durant and you have Tyler hero making, $30 million, whatever it is at that, that new number, that's like a pretty good starting centerpiece. And then you flush out the picks from there. And a hero will be at 27 million was the number there. So I did get my prediction for the heat, right? I was bound to get, I was bound to get one right out of 30. You would hope the bucks. Uh, I just, for the long rumor, Jay Crowder trade finally gets done. The, like the sort of smorgasbord of like second round picks and not notable players that were going to Phoenix. I don't think it takes that exact form. And now I feel less confident about this getting done. If KD might amble onto the trade market, I think Crowder could be sent out as that um, as salary ballast and that type of a deal. But I just feel like the Bucks went after Jay Crowder forever. They're willing to give up like four or five seconds in addition to just like salary filler. I don't want to hear from Bucks fans that like Jordan, Wa- Jordan war is this really big asset that team should value for his, his shot creation and making the Bucks need that in the half court. And Jordan war has not played a huge role for them this season that should that's telltale right there um but i i think whether it requires a third team perhaps the jazz perhaps the spurs i think this is a deal that will ultimately just maybe the rockets that's the one that was slowed out there i think there's a deal that ultimately gets done that jay crowder will finish the season on milwaukee i would like to see them just because their window is now um i would like to see milwaukee take a bigger swing and say well we can trade a 2028 swap and we can trade the 2029 first round pick and we can trade Marjan Bochamp. Like, what can we get? Even Grayson Allen's been good this year. I saw someone said, I had proposed Malik Beasley as part of a three-team trade target with the um, like the Utah Jazz. And the, the Bucks were getting Malik Beasley and Jay Crowder. But Grayson Allen was going out. Someone had said, well, hasn't Grayson Allen been better than Malik Beasley? My answer is a definitive no to that. But like, when you go back and start looking at Grayson Allen, he's definitely been more inconsistent. And I think he's going to be targeted more on the defensive end, even though Malik Beasley doesn't give you much resistance there. It's closer than you think, especially when you consider their contracts. I trust Malik Beasley's three-point volume more, um, the type of shooting that you're getting out of him, than Grayson Allen's. But I think that's a fair point 
when considering it. Still, no, no bearing on this. I still think it's just Jay Crowder, the Bucks. That's my prediction. The Minnesota Timberwolves. I predicted that Nas Reed and D'Lo will both stay put. That is, I don't feel great about it. Just because Nas Reed specifically heading to free agency, you've paid Gobert or you, you're paying Gobert. You gave Towns that extension. Are you really going to invest in another big? The number being thrown around out there is like 11 million. That's around the mid-level exception. I, I could talk myself on Minnesota and say, well, just resign him and then you trade him later. Nas Reed's an unrestricted free agent though. Why do you want to go to a team where you're going to be the third big and your role is going to be forever capped and where they might just view you as more of a, a trade asset? The mid-level exception will be available from other teams, I would hazard, for him. So I think he there's a chance that he might just be viewed as a goner, in which case, well, why wouldn't you just trade him now, even if it's just for two seconds or if it's for Peyton Pritchard? Still, the Wolves, they've just like, th- there's a spark there right now. Uh, they're, you know, they, they own a top seven net rating and top two defense since January 1st. Um, and Reed has just been spectacular during that time. D'Lo is also shooting the hell out of the three ball right now, 45.6% on three since January 1st and 7.8 attempts per game. Like the Wolves are kind of at this point, I think going to look at their roster and say, maybe there's moves they can make on the margins. Jalen Noel requested a trade, yada, yada, yada. Could they be players in the buyout market? But they have to look and say, well, we're starting to get better. We're going to get Towns back. Like we need to just see it through with this core. And they can pay D'Angelo Russell and, and hope that his contract's either movable or that he just doesn't flat out leave. Those are our real considerations. If D'Lo communicates that he wants to go, but he's played well off of Anthony Edwards since they've kind of changed the structure of their offense a little bit. And Nas Reed, I think I might view him as the bigger flight risk just because the Wolves can come over the top for D'Lo and it's with Nas Reed. Like, yeah, they could go over the top, but they're not going to because they have Rudy Gobert. Town. Still, I think both of them stay put because Minnesota has been good enough to now lately to start to wonder, well, what could we look like once Carl Anthony Towns is back? So let's stick this out. The New Orleans Pelicans. Uh, I predicted this and I still don't in like uh, amid their sort of haze of suckitude. Um, they will part with a wing end or a first round pick for shooting. I like Carrie Trent Jr. Malik Beasley here, playing by Donovich, another name that I've mentioned. You can even go like an Alec Burks, but that shouldn't cost you a, a first round pick by, by any stretch. I just, I'm very reticent though, because they basically have the worst offense in the league. They're 29th in points scored per possession since the um, Zion Williamson injury. And I think a lot of people though, this is, this is what sold me. I'm thinking they'll do it. A lot of people said, well, their three point attempt rate is down because Zion gets the rim so much. They're still 25th in three point attempt rate without Zion Williamson. So this isn't just a Zion Williamson issue. Uh, It's, it's like, it's, it's actually weird because you look at the players on the Pelicans roster and they should be able to take, more threes than they actually are right now. Uh, so I do think that they'll go after that type of a name. Maybe it's even lower level. And I'm thinking, can they just pick up Garrison Matthews for spare, someone for spare parts? Somebody's just going to go in there and fling up threes at a higher volume. I don't know that they would do that, but I think that they're going to end up making um, an acquisition for shooting. And they have enough first round picks slash wings to spare where it wouldn't be a big deal. If look, if you're getting off Devonte Graham's deal in the process, would it be the end of the world if you're giving up a first or if you're giving up even Herb Jones at this point? Pelicans fans will probably push back against the Herb Jones notion. But my point being, even though New Orleans record doesn't really reflect it right now, and they've had all these struggles, haven't been able to stay healthy with their entire core together. I think they're still good enough as a top end outcome when everyone is available that they can talk themselves into making a, a more win now focused move. And I, I think they will, and it will be to add shooting the New York Knicks. So Cam Reddish will be gone. That's a given. But I said that they will trade at least two of Cam Reddish, Isaiah Hartenstein, Obi Toppin, and a future first round pick. So Cam Reddish gives me one. 
Who's the other one that's coming here? Hartenstein's starting to play better, so they're not just going to trade him for nothing, uh, even though Tibbs... Like, they don't use Hartenstein properly in the Knicks offense because that's not how they like to use their bigs. But he's been playing so well. Robinson's injured. That's less likely. Obi Toppin, fan favorite. Shot of adrenaline. Shot the three ball fairly well this year. It's just he's never going to have a path to a real role so long as Julius Randle's there. And he's going to be extension eligible this summer. Why wouldn't you look to capitalize on his value, even if it's for just a first-round pick, rather than someone who's going to come in and play? Your, your roster's kind of log-jammed enough. Maybe it's just them trading a future first, though. And stuff I've bandied about is what you do. The, the structure works. Evan Fournier, a pick, and Obi Toppin, if it gets you Malik Beasley, or if it gets you Gary Trent Jr. I would do it if I'm the Knicks, but a trade like that. So we're going to step out on a limb and say they trade at least uh, two of those players and I'm, or slash assets. And Cam Reddish will, is a given to be gone. So, But I, I decided to take a, one step further there. Wouldn't shock me, though, if that's all the Knicks do is trade Cam Reddish. The Oklahoma City Thunder, if Darius Baisley doesn't get traded, nobody will. This is just like the Thunder are going to be kind of boring. I would like to see them make a buy now move for some shooting or maybe just a big. Uh, but you look at their roster structure, assuming that they're going to bring back um, Jeremiah Robinson Earl, Aaron Wiggins, even Mike Muscala with his team option. They have one roster spot open then leading into the summer if you make those assumptions. That's going to go to their only first round pick to date that they have. So Darius Baisley, who's going to be a restricted free agent, just doesn't fit into this team long-term, seen his role go all over the place. He's shown some flexibility on the defensive end. I still don't really know what he is other than not very valuable on offense. Can you move him for a team that wants to take a flyer, maybe get his bird rights in advance of restricted free agency? Maybe you get second-round equity there. I don't think you're going to be able to trade him for a shooter unless you're taking back you know, some lopsided money here uh, because you do have the traded player exception. Like if you were willing to go Darius Baisley and picks the nets to get like seth curry i would love to see that um something along those lines but i just don't expect the thunder to make any real noise at the deadline they don't have the roster spot flexibility to do so the orlando magic we got super specific here mo bamba will get traded gary harris stays put and terrence ross hits the buyout market ross has shot the ball actually a lot better lately so i wouldn't put it past the team uh you know looking to pick up his expiring contract i just don't know that he has the same value as he did like two or three years ago where the idea of him um, was a lot flashier. Uh, Gary Harris specifically, I think a lot of teams should be interested in him shooting 50 plus percent on drives, three balls falling again, gives you a bunch of defensive versatility, even though he's not very, very big, uh, but he has one team controlled year left on his deal. And if I'm the magic, I might be looking to win games next year for getting this year's pick Chicago, my own pick Chicago's pick. I have Paolo Bancaro. I have Franz Wagner. So, you know, Wendell Carter Jr., Markel Fultz. Like, I have impact players already. I'm about to maybe get two more. Maybe I'm looking to make the playoffs. And Gary Harris is really just like an important plug-and-play fit to that type of a model. And then Bamba, he's just not in the rotation right now. Like, they have so many other big man options. He's basically an expiring co- contract because he's not guaranteed for next year. But that's flexibility for a team. Maybe they want to keep him around at that, you know, tidy sub-MLE number. Uh, so I think he's the one of these three that's most likely to get traded, especially because the market right now seems very desperate for just backup bigs when you list off or bigs in general, when you list off teams and it's just like, well, Boston's in the market for another big. Uh, we know Toronto wants a big Dallas kind of sort of wants a big, the Clippers want a big. And so I think that he winds up being the most likely of the three to get moved. If we need to distill this prediction down even further. Philadelphia 76ers, Furkan, Korkmaz, Shake Milton, or Jaden Springer will be offloaded as part of a tax-ducking trade. It's a no-brainer. The Sixers are $1.2 million within 
um, like over the luxury tax, they're going to, whenever you're that close, you're going to get out of it. I'm not going to applaud it. I just think that's something they do. Could it be as part of a larger move where they're including Matisse Seibel and trying to get back a player who isn't just cheaper or, excuse me, saving the money, but also is going to give them actual minutes in the playoff rotation since we've seen that like Daniel House is going to factor in heavily to what they're doing. Maybe. Uh, Daryl Moore is in charge of this team. I won't ever put anything past him, but they're not really set up to make this huge move unless you start putting Tobias Harris, but more importantly, Tyrese Maxey on the table. And I just don't know if they would be willing to consider that much of an extreme again, especially given what the trade market is right now, where it doesn't seem like there's another star available. There's Fred Van Vliet and OG Ananobi, if you consider him, and that's like kind of it because Kevin Durant doesn't seem like he's on market right now. The Suns, no trades that cost the Suns a first round pick will be made. I'm actually feeling pretty fucking good about this one right now. Because I think that this is a team that's definitely going to plan around the availability of Kevin Durant into the summer. Maybe he becomes available before Thursday, and that just sort of blows up um, my thinking altogether. Uh, however, I I don't think Kevin. I don't know what Kevin Durant's going to happen with Kevin Durant. Regardless, if Kevin Durant, if you're still planning around that, or maybe you want to make a run at Pascal Siakam over the offseason, since it doesn't seem like Toronto's going to entertain offers for him now, you need your picks for that. Those are teams that are trading superstars generally prioritize that we saw the Nets just do something different with Kyrie Irving, but that's a special circumstance when it was Danny Ainge and you in Utah with Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert, like prioritize picks San Antonio, a, a fringe all-star player under something Murray, they prioritize picks there. So you want to have all your picks. And I guess if you're the Suns, you could say, well, if we just protect 2023, send that out, we still have all our other future ones. Yeah. You could do something like that, but your pick is like kind of more valuable this year since the Devin Booker injury. And I don't know that I'm moving that as just sort of a, you're definitely not moving it in, in an afterthought trade, but are you giving it up for Boyan, let's say Boyan Madonovich at this point, if you could protect the hell out of it and then make it expire immediately after. But if you let the protections trickle out, that's going to hamstring what you can offer in any perspective, Kevin Durant trade scenario. So that was my thinking when I wrote this and I feel more strongly about it now. With that said, it wouldn't shock me if there's just like a DeAndre Ayton for something swap here where it's, is it Ayton for like Van Vliet? that type of a deal. And you're fleshing it out from there. Other money and contracts needs to be involved. Um, that's something I would consider from Phoenix and maybe even if I'm Toronto too. So I wrote, if they're going to make a big, bigger move, I won't move that type of a transaction out. I just don't think they're going to wind up trading a first round pick at the deadline. That's not really spicy too, given that James Jones just hasn't really done that um, since taking over the Suns. This biggest move was the CP3 trade and that was still a, a no brainer. The Portland Trailblazers. Their trade deadline will involve more selling than buying. Um, a lot of people have painted to me that Jared Vanderbilt to Portland is basically a formality at this point. Um, and I think there was a report today that said they were to back that up, that Keon Johnson in multiple seconds were offered to Utah in exchange for that. All right. Does like acquiring reserve big man really count as buying? It can. I, what I'm talking about here is I think that they're going to wind up getting rid of Josh Hart because he's entering free agency and they don't want to pay him since they're going to have to pay uh, Jeremy Grant when he gets there. I could see them moving Yusuf Nurkic for just not even just straight expiring contracts, but even like a longer deal that maybe is has two years left rather than the three Nurkic has left. I think he could still be a useful player, but that the ship has just sort of sailed as him as the, the anchor in the middle for Portland. They don't, I don't want to say he's just readily expendable, but he kind of feels that way to me, to this team. And so it wouldn't, shock me if they're just moving him 
for spare parts or for a contract that's shorter so they can get out from under that money sooner. They are within $100,000 of the luxury tax, and they are not going to go into it. So there's that to consider as well. There is always the chance that they try and move these numbers that they don't like. A Nurkic's number is useful as salary ballast. So you're pairing him with what, though? And that's where I struggle to view them as buyers. You can't really guarantee any first-round picks because of the way that your protections to Chicago are, are set up. You could trade conditional first. That's fair. You could trade Shane Sharp, Ramfrey, Simons, but those are going to be names you only give up as part of mega deals. And I just don't see them being able to, one, one, I don't see the player who's available that gets them there. Two, I don't see how they're going to outbid um, other teams that would be involved for said players. Let's use Kevin Durant as an example if he becomes available. You put all the conditional first-round picks on the table, plus Shaden Sharp, plus Anthony Simons. I still think that offer would be beatable. Let's use Phoenix as an example. Four picks, three swaps, and DeAndre Ayton. I'd probably prefer that offer. Throw in Mikael Bridge instead of DeAndre Ayton. I'd prefer that offer still. So I think they're going to wind up being more sellers than buyers. Not to where they take this monstrous step back, but just to where they're they're shedding talent and payroll more so than acquiring impact players who would be part of the you know top seven, eight, nine of of their rotation. The Sacramento Kings. I predicted that they will make upgrades to the wing defense, and the names they've been linked to suggest that that's exactly what they're thinking about. Matisse Thibel has been a really popular name for them. I like them as a Josh Richardson team, maybe even a Josh Hart team. They have Rashawn Holmes, two years left on his deal. Negative value contract at this point, but for teams that need bigs, if the Kings are going to compensate you with second rounders to take him on, you could consider it, especially if, look, Portland needs a big like that. And if you're going to lose Josh Hart in free agency anyway, and the Kings are sending you seconds to begin with, um, I don't know why you wouldn't consider that. Maybe you think you could get a first for Hart or at least take back a contract that's coming off the books. Um, I really like, and no one's talked about this, I like the Kings as an OG Ananobi team. And I know their pick situation is weird because of the Kevin Herter trade. But you could, in theory, they would have to be conditional, offer two firsts, 2026, 2028, and then pair that with Keegan Murray. Does that get you OG Ananobi? Does Keegan Murray, one of those picks, get you OG Ananobi? I just think that they could make a very competitive offer for OG Ananobi, and I've yet to see them link to him, which he's he's perfect for the Kings. Failing that, Josh Hart, Josh Richardson, Jay Sean Tate, Gary Trent Jr., although that might be a little bit... He's he plays more risky and aggressive defense, so maybe that's not the perfect example. I could also see them just going after flyer types. You know, we mentioned Thibault, there's Cam Reddish, Jalen McDaniels, Devon Reed, uh, Tory Craig, even if the Suns are looking to you know rally a third team in, although I don't know why they'd want to help a division rival or Western Conference rival. Najee Marshall, depending on what New Orleans New Orleans is looking to do, Javante Green, if he's healthy in Chicago. Maybe they even get in on the Jay Crowder sweepstakes. There's just a variety of names. I do think that they will ultimately add, and they already did add uh, Kessler Edwards, uh, who can really give you some you know, defensive pizzazz, but it's already said that they're going to give him a chance to play in the G League. I'm talking someone who will like be on the actual you know NBA rotation from, from night to night. I think they get someone like that. Maybe he doesn't play every night. I don't know if Tybal would play every night for this team, but they will, get, they will upgrade their wing defense one way or the other. The San Antonio Spurs. I predicted Josh Richardson will get moved in the same deal as Zach Collins or Doug McDermott. I, I don't know why I predicted that. I just sort of feel it. Like the numbers are so palatable that, oh, we're talking about then $20 million in combined salary between um, Collins and Richardson, or it's like $25 million when you throw in McDermott and Richardson. It just feels like the Spurs are going to do some selling, and if they want to drum up their return, because none of their singular assets are getting them a first-round pick on their own. Jakob Pertl might, but like Richardson... 
Collins, McDermott have not. So maybe you combine them. And if you're taking back a longer term contract, uh, you could then get a first round pick for that. If you're leasing out your cap space because you have plenty of it right now, we are on to the Toronto Raptors. My prediction was that two of OG Ananobi, Gary Turner Jr. and Fred Van Fleet will be traded. I'm not sure that I would predicted that a month ago. I didn't think it made all that much sense um, for them to move OG, just sort of this 25 year old wing who fits the timeline of whether you're rebuilding or not. I didn't think they were going to move Siakam. I thought Trent and Van Vliet were the most likely to be traded. Now I'm kind of leaning towards, all right, like maybe three, all three of those dudes, like the non Siakam guys will get traded. I would almost say that OG and Anobi for a while felt like the most likely to get traded. Now it feels like it's Van Vliet. It's just, I don't know if the Raptors are going to go full fledged rebuild. Um, that being said, I think that they will move two of these guys and Van Vliet and GTJ are the safe, safer bets i guess because they're both headed towards free agency with their player options um at the same time just there's been a lot of noise surrounding og and considering he's going to be an expiring contract next year his value might never be higher now and so you get the multiple first round picks plus some young players for him at this moment i don't know if you will still be able to say that over the offseason when he enters the next year basically as an expiring deal for his team um the utah jazz I said that Danny Ainge and Justin Zanuck will acquire multiple first round picks or John Collins. Um, so I could just see the Jazz being opportunistic buyers where, yes, maybe they could have gotten a first round pick for Malik Beasley and, you know, Jared Vanderbilt, but they decided to use that instead to acquire John Collins and reboot his value because they think that he'll either be valuable to them in the long term or they could rehabilitate what he's worth and then flip him for even more later. He's a very intriguing fit. Doesn't do anything for their defense, but you could play him next to Walker Kessler and Larry Markin at the same time. You could run a front court of Lowry and um, Collins as well. If you want to go all offense, I like his fit in Utah. I like it better in Indiana, as I already mentioned. Um, but I, I think that the jazz will be because they already have so many picks that they can be a little bit more, lenient in how they approach this deadline. It doesn't have to be a sell, sell, sell. Like, yes, they can move some of their impact players, especially like the guard swingman types, but you don't have to do it for draft pick equity. Like that's just not, they have enough of that right now. So that being said, it wouldn't surprise me if, if they don't get John Collins, my guess would be between Malik Beasley, John Collins, Jared Vanderbilt, uh, Jordan Clarkson. Did I mention him already? Like between all of those names, I would just guess that you're able to get more than one first round pick because of the prospect equivalent. Like even having Kelly Olynyk, I wouldn't even rule out a Colin Sexton trade at this point. And that he has three years and $54.5 million left on his deal. That looks like sort of a bargain. So if the jazz don't acquire John Collins or make sort of the buy move, I think that they'll be able to acquire multiple first round picks as sellers. Our final team here, the Washington wizards. This is, this is actually fairly spicy. I think. The Wizards will emerge as a finalist and potentially acquire Alex Caruso, Mike Conley, Kyle Lowry, D'Angelo Russell, Colin Sexton, or Fred Van Vliet. Uh, Caruso feels like a little bit unlikely because the Wizards don't have the flashy first-round equity to give up for him. Uh, I would also say that Colin Sexton feels a little unlikely too just because I don't know that he gives enough passing for what you would want alongside Bradley Beal. Kyle Lowry feels unlikely just because of the salary cap number. Ditto for D'Angelo Russell. I wouldn't be surprised to see them just be in on Fred Van Vliet if they're just offering Barton, Morris, Gafford, and then two firsts, uh, which have to be conditional because of the way that their pick obligations are set up. They also have Denny Avdia if uh, if Toronto's interested in him. They have Corey Kispert if Toronto's interested in him. I don't think that's enough ammo 
for them to get in on a real superstar sweepstakes. But in terms of a Fred Van Vliet, he feels eminently gettable if they wanted to be aggressive there. They're not going to have cap space this summer, so it would make sense to go after him. Are you willing to pay him, Chris Stops, and Bradley Beal, and then Kyle Kuzma? I don't know. And I'm very interested to see whether Kyle Kuzma ends up on the trade block. They Everything we've heard coming out of Washington is that they plan to resign him. They view him as part of their core. And I don't tend to buy everything we hear around this time of year. With that said, it feels real just because we've seen it from Washington in the past with soon-to-be free agents. Dallas Bertans is an example. A lot of people thought at the time, you know, people remember this, Dallas Bertans was having just like one hell, one hell of a season. And a lot of people, a lot of people thought they'd get like two first round picks for him or pick in a, a young player. They decided to keep him because they thought they could re-sign him. They were right. That five-year deals ended up not panning out too well, but uh, so it feels like they do. It seems like they have a good feel for what their players are thinking, whether they're going to leave or stay. And we even saw it with Bradley Beal. Like everyone's like, trade him, trade him, trade him, which they should have, but they knew he was going to come back. So I kind of buy them thinking that they're going to keep Kyle Kuzma, which would mean that maybe they try to be buyers. And I just wouldn't, we haven't heard a lot of them, but when, with regards to a Mike Conley and Alex Caruso or a Fred Van Fleet specifically, like we haven't heard them linked to a, we, we, you know, like loosely they've been linked to, I think Van Fleet specifically, I think they're going to be one of the finalists for uh, one of those players. So that'll do it for me. If this is your first time, check us out, please hit the sub button, like comment on YouTube, subscribe on YouTube, subscribe to your favorite podcast player, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Google play the whole nine, join our discord. The link to that is in the podcast and YouTube description. As a reminder, Grant and I will be back in the bleacher report live stream um, part of the app. Uh, right after the trade deadline, 5.30 p.m. Eastern time to talk about all those happening. So come check us out there. We already did our first one. That was a that was a lot of fun. Uh, follow us on all the socials. Until next time, and as always, I leave everybody to shout out to the one, the only, the legendary, the indelible, Frank Mueller. Peace.